that it's not uh, over here, and God forbid they do show up over here, but uh, we know that to keep Israel in prayer, uh, we know that they are in the hands of God. They are his people, and that is their land that God has given to them and promised to them, so they will always be there. Uh, and so even though the enemy uh, thinks, believes a lie, thinks it's theirs, and they want, uh, they want it for themselves, we know who the one true God is, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when he says something, it delivers it. It's not going to come back void. Amen. And so the promises that he gave to Abraham about that land, it is, it is eternal. It is done. It is established. Uh, and so uh, sadly, we have to see this uh, being played out before our eyes. But believe it or not, it's, it's uh, I don't want to say it's expected, but knowing the end in the book of Revelation, how it tells, how this all comes to an end. Uh, you can see how this is really just fitting into the end times. And uh, I know we've said it many times and for many years that we are in the last days, but uh, as each new event unfolds, it really makes you uh, believe and to know that we are certainly, most certainly in the last days. Uh, and so we need to make sure that we are preparing ourselves, our hearts, and our homes for the return of Jesus Christ, because we don't want to be left behind with, with this world, right? As bad as it is now, it's only going to get worse, according to Revelation, the Great Tribulation. And so uh, we want to make sure we are prepared to meet the Lord. And so aligning ourselves, I believe, in these last days with this place that Israel is in, and in the book of Joshua, getting ready to... Uh, invade the darkness, invade the promised land that God has given them. And I believe in this, these latter days, as God is pouring out His Spirit uh, as a part of the latter day reign, uh, that we too can pick up our sword of the Spirit and we too can invade the darkness, uh, declaring victory, uh, amen, and seeing God do great things in these last days. Uh, but one of the stipulations was for Joshua and, and the, the, the Israelites was that God will give, God gave them the land, but they have to fight for it. Every place the sole of your treads, foot shall tread upon, I will give to you that I, if you will fight for it, God will give it to you. Uh, and, and so the promised land, as we know, as we've been studying, is, wasn't just an empty empty land with just a bunch of empty mansions and apartment buildings waiting for people to come in, but there was already civilizations there, uh, inhabitants of the land, uh, and, and God would be with them to drive them out because they were in the land that God gave to Abraham and his, his seed. And so if we are willing to fight as they did, then God will give us the territories that we uh, invade, and I believe that God wants us to do that in these last days is to advance into the, the, the kingdom, advance into the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples and baptizing them 
uh, in Jesus' name and, and watching God fill them with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jesus says that the harvest is ripe, it is ready, it is white, it is ready to go. Uh, that would just pray for laborers to go into the harvest. And so that is where uh, the mission is, the mission of the church is to go into the darkness. Amen. And to bring people into the kingdom of God, uh, knowing who we are and knowing the enemy. As we talked uh, last time, uh, last week about uh, what knowing not just who we are, believing who we are as the children of God, the sons and daughters of God, that what God has given us. But last week we, uh, we got to think about what it was like to get into the mind of the enemy. We know, we have an idea of what the en- we think about the enemy, but uh, knowing what the enemy thinks about us just adds to it all, adds to uh, uh, the boldness and the courage and the strength in our faith, knowing what the enemy knows. But they will never admit, but uh, the Bible gives us some kind of insight as we touched on last week about what they actually think about uh, us and Jesus. Uh, that one example uh, of, the, of the man that was possessed was the legion of devils. And how they cried out unto Jesus, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And so they know, uh, as we talked about the, about the time that is coming, but also the power that Jesus has to torment them even before this set time. Uh, that's really uh, the insight to the enemy, what they think about us, or what they think about Jesus and if we have Jesus inside of me, inside of you, they, they still have that same mindset. They still think the same thing just because um, we are who we are. Uh, they're not going to fear us, but if Jesus is inside of us, they're going to fear Jesus. And they say the same thing to Jesus uh, as they did back then. Uh, please don't uh, come and torment us before the time. And so understanding who they are and what they think about us aids in our uh, mission to invade the darkness and to take the territory back for the kingdom of God because we know that uh, they have no power to stop God. And so if we get bold enough to step out in faith, uh, then that's really going to ruffle up their feathers and, and, and mess up their things in their kingdom, but there's nothing they can do about it because God, our God is greater, right? Amen. And so uh, James 2 and 19 says, uh, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and they tremble. So the, the devils, they're afraid already. They're not going to show their fear. They, tr- they project their fear onto other people. And we will, we will feel the fear, the spirit of fear come upon us or, or somebody else. And we know that that is not the spirit that God gave us. That's their spirit because they are afraid of that one God, Jesus. Uh, and so uh, we know that we, as long as we submit ourselves to the Lord, then the, the devil, will uh, we will resist him and he will flee from us. And so... We know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. There's nothing they can do about it, and so that is who we are. We have to stand tall and stand proud, knowing who we are, not just as an individual, but as a body of believers. We are the body of Christ. He is the head of the church. 
Uh, amen. And so the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And so that is the place to be to escape uh, the, the flames of hell is to be in the church. And so we know that we know that our enemy is real. We know that it's just not some kind of figment of somebody's imagination, that it's just not some, something out there that somebody created and thought about. Uh, but the enemy is, is alive. He's a, a, a roar, as a roaring lion, roaring, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And so that is the description of Satan himself, but we know that he is not alone in this. Uh, it's is it was eye opening today. I heard, I heard somebody ask a Jewish rabbi. Uh, They're interviewing him uh, about you know obviously what is going on in the world, and obviously uh, being a, a Jew, uh, they have uh, a different insight to everything. And this Jewish rabbi was asked. Uh, basically, what is evil? What is evil in, in, in your mind and in the Jewish customs and, and belief system? What is evil? Because in, in Christianity, if we are asked what is evil, we would probably, one of our first answers we would say, we would probably say Satan or Lucifer is evil, the embodiment of evil. Uh, you know, darkness and, and, and sin and demons that is all, uh, you know, wrapped up in, in that. Uh, but the way that this differs from, come to find out, from the, the Jewish uh, mindset and, and belief is that uh, he said evil, evil is just an, is an action. Evil is an action. He's like, we, it, you know, we don't believe it, that it's em, embodied as a, a, a force or a, as, you know, as the Christians would call the devil. Uh, they don't believe that there's an actual force, a darkness out there that is working together against the things of God. But he just said that, that evil is a, an action or a deed. And it, it's, it, it was amazing to me just how, how limiting that is. Uh, obviously, in the in the in the Torah and the Law, he said, you know, there's like 255 examples of evil deeds, and that may that that may be true. Uh, you know, don't do this, or you'll this will happen, or all, all those things that are spelled out in the law. But it, it's it's it was saddening to hear that because uh, to to not believe that there is an actual devil out there. When there, when we know that there really is, I mean, and I don't, I don't know how they got to that point because obviously it's the Torah that tells us about Satan and, and the Garden of Eden, right? It's the Jewish Jewish history, the Jewish scriptures, who tells us that there is uh, that there is a devil and there is uh, a, a, an evil presence out there, but it's like they they somehow they just they've whittled it down to just an action, and, and so I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's good to not know that there's an evil out there, and then he just you know if the evil shows up, or you know I'm, uh, I'd rather know that there is a, a Satan out there and that he is on the prowl, so that I can make sure that I'm prepared. Right? You don't want to be taken by surprise uh, because you, your whole life you're, you're thinking that evil is just a deed, uh, an action. 
Um, and and uh, I, I wonder if, if he or many others have even read the book of Revelation because it, you know, it, it's all centered around Israel. And, and to know that if they're thinking that there's no evil person but just evil deeds, it's, it, just, it was just eye-opening to me. Uh, it's no wonder that they would believe that uh, they would follow after the Antichrist and be led led astray uh, if they don't if they're not thinking that there is evil that is uh, amassing at the end time. Uh, we we know that the Bible tells there's there's a coming a, a massive battle the, the whole world is coming against Israel at, in the latter days, uh, and uh, that seems to me like there is a concentrated effort and a force behind all of that. And to know that, to know your enemy uh, is only going to benefit you and to be able to defeat the enemy. Uh, and so obviously, no, we know there are sinful and evil deeds, but we know that there is a source behind it and that there is a, a, an embodiment of evil, and that is the devil himself. And so, uh, so our enemy is real. It's just not confined to somebody's action, but there is an actual darkness uh, of this world that we fight against is active and working in the world each and every day and so the devil does have some power he rules in the darkness of the world he is, but he is bound his power is limited he's on a leash he can't do whatever he wants he has to ask permission to do things against the people of God as we are given that example through the book of Job where he came to the Lord and asked him for power to strike and to touch a man of God. And so he has to get permission if he wants to target somebody specifically that God has his hand upon. Aren't you thankful for the hand of, hand of protection around God? We don't even realize how many hedges are up around us, how many fences, how many barriers are around us. So we are a blessed people, whether we even realize it or not. We don't know how many times the enemy has come for you or your child or your, your, your family, and God says, no, you cannot come. I'm thankful for the hand of God. I'm thankful for the prayers and the protection uh, that is over his people. Uh, that we don't even realize the attacks that maybe the, that God says no to. Obviously, the ones that get through that God permits, we, we know those. Uh, and so understanding that, we should first uh, not just be afraid or fearful if the, the devil shows up. We have to re rewind in our mind to realize, oh, okay, the devil did not show up by surprise. He surprised me, but he had to ask God for permission for this to happen. And so God, if God gave the devil the okay, God knew that you would be able to handle this. That's the mindset we need to go into uh, when we go into the dark valleys that God has already uh, orchestrated our way out of here. We just got to listen to the voice of God uh, to get to lead us out of where uh, our storm and our trial is. Uh, and so Jude tells us that the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath res reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And so Satan and darkness 
are bound, uh, and demons, they are bound to darkness, and they are chained to darkness. They cannot escape spiritual darkness, and that is spiritual darkness is obviously just the absence of God, the absence of light and life. Uh, and so their domain, their domain, their territory is spiritual darkness. And so where is it? It's not just in dark areas or in remote caves underground somewhere. Obviously, they uh, prefer to live in dark, physical darkness. Uh, but spiritual darkness is not bound just by the physical world. That is why it's spiritual darkness. And so it can be anywhere in the world that is, a, 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 is sinful, that obviously people are doing sinful, evil deeds. There's going to be an evil presence there as well. Anywhere there's unholiness, unrighteousness, ungodliness. Sure, many of these places are physically dark, but if you look hard enough, ungodly deeds, actions, and thoughts and places, those are an invitation for even a darker uh, atmosphere to come in. Uh, it's, it's no coincidence that a lot of the evil and, and ungodly stuff happens at night, right? Uh, after late hours, late in the evening, all, a lot of bad stuff happens. It's in physical darkness, just more of an invitation for spiritual darkness. Uh, and so uh, we may not be, you and I may not be in spiritual darkness, uh, God forbid, but if we allow ungodly things to happen in our life, then we are uh, allowing uh, and, and the devil in or giving an invitation for that darkness to come. And sometimes uh, it can come in, in just so subtle, just something so small and so little can just open up the floodgates eventually down the road. And so we see how in Luke twenty two thirty one, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And so... What, what, a, what an eye-opening statement here. I mean, this is one thing you don't want to hear Jesus say to you, right? Uh, but uh, old Peter, I guess uh, the Lord knew his big mouth can handle it. Uh, and so he says, uh, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Now, uh, why do you think Peter was targeted? Well, because Jesus says, I've given you the keys, Peter is the one who unlocked the church, unlocked salvation for the Gentiles, for the, the world that we live in now. Peter is the one that had the keys, to, to, was going to stand up on that day of Pentecost and preach the gospel, uh, unlocking the door for everybody to come in. And so that is why Satan had desired to sift Peter, uh, to cut him down. Uh, and so thankfully, the Lord knew about it. Obviously, he knows about everything. Uh, and so, and so he came to the Lord God to ask him if he can bring this attack on you, Peter. And, and so, uh, I'm sure Peter said, "Okay, Lord." So, what did you tell him? He told him, "No, right? That I'm off. I'm off guards. I'm off limits." Uh, so, surely you told him that you've protected me and that you put a hedge around me. Surely that's what you told the Satan, right? Uh, and, and so what did he tell him? We see here in the next verse, but I have prayed for you. That means I didn't tell him no. That means I didn't tell Satan no. It just says, I'm praying for you, Peter. 
it's not really, it's comforting and yet it's not, right? Because you know, you know that it, the attack is coming. But at least you got Jesus praying for you. Now if anybody, if you have anybody praying for you, uh, it's comforting to know that Jesus is praying for you, right? That you're going to make it. Satan's coming for you. If Satan's coming for you, know that you got an intercessor in heaven that is praying for you, right? Jesus Christ, the, uh, the mediator, uh, the great high priest who's interceding on behalf of us. If Satan comes to you and, and enters into your life, know one that God has allowed him in there. He gave him permission. And two, that know that God is on your side and God is probably praying for you, interceding for you, that you will, that your faith would fail not. That your faith would fail not. That's what the, Satan wants to come for. He wants to rob of you of your faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. You want to shut down God in your life? Get rid of all your faith, right? Uh, and so that's what Satan's going to come to do through all kinds of different avenues, or the ways he wants to drain your faith. Uh, but I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Uh, and so whenever your battle is done, whenever you, you get through the valley, the, the shadow of death, the darkness, whenever you get through that, strengthen your brethren. Why? Uh, because you've been through hell and you've faced the devil and you made it, you survived and you're still alive and, and God has a plan and a purpose for you. Uh, that's going to be the, one of the most encouraging things to do. You get through the valley of darkness and you go on the mountaintop, that's the best time to turn around and encourage somebody else who is going through the valley say hey God just brought me through that I just faced the devil I just met darkness head on but God interceded God prayed for me he brought me through it so I'm gonna help strengthen you to help get you through that because we all need uh, strengthening from one another amen and so uh, that is what he did uh, and so when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren Verse 33 says, he said to them, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and into death. Uh, and so, obviously, Peter, uh, being a little proud and, and, and boastful, says, I'm ready, Lord, let's, re let's do it. He didn't, re he didn't realize what he was ready for. Uh, he said yes, he thought it was going to be easy, uh, but here... Uh, Jesus says, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And so obviously, uh, Peter had everything figured out in his mind. Okay, God, I'm ready for this. But he didn't even realize what the battle was going to be like. And Jesus gave him a head, an insight. Uh, you're going to deny me three times. After you just said, I'm ready to go with you into prison and to death, Jesus says, you're going to deny you ever knew me three times. Uh, because if you did say that you knew me, you probably would be with me uh, in prison and in death. But yet you just said you'd do that. Uh, and so uh, sometimes uh, we have everything laid out in our minds, how it's going to work out. But then when it happens, it's completely different. Peter never imagined this would be the battle that he would fight and he, was, he had lost because his mind was somewhere else. 
And that can be the problem when we get involved in our imagination and our pride. Uh, our spiritual pride begins to speak up. We begin to think, oh, this is how it's going to happen, and this is, and I'm ready for that. Come to find out you're not ready at all uh, because you're not uh, uh, speaking uh, what, what God is, is, has orchestrated. And so what happened was Peter got a little bit pride, uh, prideful, arrogant. He was full of pride. Uh, he thought he was the stuff. And I guess, I mean, it's hard to not agree with him. If, if Jesus says, hey, I'm giving, of all these 12, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. I mean, that's going to make your head inflate, right? I've got the keys. Nobody else has the keys. I mean, so uh, that was obviously, that was the invitation to the, the battle that uh, Peter would have to deal with was, was pride. And so uh, as we have we been talking about having the right mindset, if we're going to invade the darkness and invade the territory, we have to have the right mindset, right? And that is God is for us and who can be against us and that uh, knowing the, who the enemy is and knowing ourselves, we have to have the confidence that God can do anything with us and through us. Uh, but on the flip side of that, we cannot get so carried away that we become spiritually arrogant, because with that truth, knowing who we are, knowing that God is on our side and God is in us and for us, uh, you can really take that to the opposite extreme and begin to uh, become spiritually arrogant and, and proud and thinking that we are somebody uh, that is better than somebody else, that uh, they're, they're not as gifted or as talented as, as we are, or, or whatever the case is, that we are better than, than them, that, that, can, uh, that door can open to somebody who has uh, been born again of the water and of the Spirit, who is in the church and who is uh, a part of this, that, that temptation is available to everybody. Uh, and so that is what we see Peter uh, succumbing to is that spiritual pride and arrogance. And so uh, isn't pride mentioned as a deadly sin? And so First Peter or First Timothy 3, 6 says, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Kind of talking about Peter for a moment there, right? Uh, lifted up with pride, he fell into the condemnation of the devil. He denied the Lord three times. Uh, and so even though he was on the right side, his mind was in the right place. Uh, but he got a little carried away in his mind and in his arrogance. And so uh, we have to be careful that just knowing that we are on the winning side, that we still have to stay humble, right? We still have to stay uh, submit to the Lord, and, and still we have to offer up sacrifices. We still have to lay ourselves upon the altar, be that living sacrifice. That's what helps keep us humble to, to not get uh, puffed up beyond uh, who we really are because the further we get from the altar, the more we think uh, we are somebody. But if we're always living at the altar or on the altar, we realize that we are nobody. That we realize we need His grace every day. That we fall short every day. We still uh, need His mercy every single day uh, because an altar helps keeps us humble uh, as being that living sacrifice. And so uh, the further we get from the altar, the more we begin to think it's about us and we are, think that we are somebody. 
And so musicians, if you would come with me, uh, come up here. Uh, and so Luke eleven thirty five it says, Take heed therefore that the light which is in thee be not darkness. And so we don't want all that God has done with us and through us uh, and what he is preparing uh, us to do to invade the, the darkness that we got to make sure that we are uh, not becoming spiritually arrogant and, and proudful uh, that we uh, think that we are better than uh, anybody else because we're not. Thinking that we are better than somebody else, if you go into the darkness, out into the world, uh, then if you think that you're better than them, then you probably won't talk to them, right? You won't want to be around them, uh, uh, you know, just uh, uh, they're sinners, and thank God I'm not a sinner, and that's the language of the Pharisees, right? When you're talking about uh, praying, how talking about how how good they are, how great, and thankfully I'm not like that guy over there, uh, and that's just spiritual arrogance, and that that immediately puts up a barrier between you and them. How are they going to hear about the love of God if so, if you think that you're better than them and won't even go talk to them, right? That's that's what arrogance does. It's going to put that space so that you cannot invade the darkness, even though uh, you are on the right side and 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 God is is with you. But if if we're not humbled and and realizing that it wasn't so long ago that that was me out there, it wasn't that long ago that I was living in darkness, living in sin. But somebody came to me and that God brought me to an altar, and thank God for that. That I was able to uh, to turn around and change my ways and. and and turn to God, but it wasn't that long ago that, that uh, it was you and me who needed a, a loving hand. Uh, and so we cannot uh, get so proudful and boastful uh, knowing who we are that we forget who we used to be. Because that, that is the connection, that is the door to open up to, to reaching the dark. The, and the darkness and the bringing the light into the darkness is is our testimony we can tell our testimony to everybody in the church which is great we hear about it but uh you know what who really needs to hear our testimony is people that are in darkness that's where the testimony has the most power is somebody who is living and is bound by sin and and hurting and and needs to hear that there is a god in heaven that can deliver them out of their situation and what what better to, way to hear that than somebody who has been redeemed, who's somebody who has been lifted out of that miry clay, and how God set their feet on that rock and, and helped turn their life around. That is the best and most powerful witness is somebody who used to be in the world but now has been delivered of it. And that is, uh, that is the power that is inside of us, the power to be a witness. And so we cannot uh, begin to think that we are better than them because we are not. We're just saved by grace. Uh, uh, by the love and hand of God that is also available to them as well. Amen. If you stand with me tonight. Amen. There are days and there are services that we are, uh, we get so, uh, so excited and so zealous that we feel like charging hell with a water pistol. And, and, and it's great to be on those those spiritual highs and those momentums and um, 
I, I wish that we can always live like that every single day where we're excited and, and on fire uh, every day. But um, many times it, it goes away. That passion and that, that emotion kind of drains off and then we're not excited as we used to be. And, and obviously things go through cycles and, and, and we end up in a wilderness or someplace. But uh, we have to realize that we have to keep that fire going. We got to keep that altar uh, going, keep that sacrifice going uh, because we can't let the fire go out inside of us. And at any moment we can turn back to God and, and, and God will be right there. No matter how far we get from God, uh, turning back to God, God is just one step away. All you got to do is turn and turn around and face God, and God will be right there. No matter how far people drift, God is always going to be right there. And so we have to realize uh, there are ups and downs, but God is going to be with us to help us invade the darkness in 2023 and 2024. Amen. We got to remember who we are and who we used to be, that God can use us in any way. Amen. I'm believing God. The revival is here. We are going to go and invade the darkness and see what God has in store. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord tonight. Let's thank Him for His grace and mercy that we are able to be here tonight to worship Him. Amen. God, use us in a mighty way in these last days. We thank you, Jesus. How great you are, Lord. How great your church is. How great your, your plan and your mission is. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yeah. Hey. 